Good morning, everyone. There's uh, quite a few pre-announcements to tag a little bit before we begin our new series. Um, first of all, a few things uh, on the prayer-related issue. Um, there was a shooting yesterday afternoon uh, in the Bywater neighborhood. Actually, just, I would say, looks like to me, less than 50 yards from the shooting in June in that community. Um, the, uh, so ask that, you know, that you pray for uh, the city, pray for the families, that God would use this to call people to faithfulness and that you continue to bless our, uh, the churches in the area, their work and outreach uh, to uh, those that are lost, those that are in high crime and destitute-driven uh, communities. Um, Tyrell Walker, how many guys know who the midshipman Tyrell is? I got news late last night that he was in the hospital. Um, he had a uh, PRT, which is like a, uh, a physical fitness test, and uh, he passed out during the test, dehydrated from being sick. And uh, anyway, he expects to get out of the hospital sometime today, but we obviously want to pray for Tyrell. Um, it was really good to see him last week, particularly after um, a period of time and not being able to see our brother. So be praying for Tyrell, if you would. Um, our, our brother Brent Schwab was in the hospital um, for about a day once I knew uh, just, I'd say, complications from life and, and many of the health complications that, that he struggles with on the whole. So continue to pray for Brent. Um, obviously, we have many among us um, here today, Jack, Tim, uh, many others that need prayer in a variety of different ways here today. Uh, on the praise side of things, um, this week, you know, you, you've heard me talk about the roving pastor's prayer group, right? How many guys, you know, on Sunday school, you're pretty well versed. Well, this week, we didn't pray in any neighborhoods, but we hosted a, uh, a, the whole county, because now we have prayer groups going in three areas of the county. But, but we hosted everyone to a, the C.S. Lewis Institute sponsored a prayer luncheon. And uh, we had our, our largest attendance ever. Um, I think we had, we were one shy of 50 people, um, which compared to, um, you know, the first one I went to, there was about, I don't know, 15 or 16 people there. Uh, the diversity of the group was... Uh, um, well, I, I went to the person who invited me that I, I knew pretty well, and I said, Hey, brother, this is, uh, we got some diversity problems. This is the, you know, we could say whitest, but here's the more important thing, oldest uh, group of uh, brothers praying together that I know. Now, of course, I'm not against aging. We all do it, right? Uh, but I think it's really important that we be thinking about generational things, right? And so... Um, in this, this group of, by the way, in that first meeting, I was the youngest person there, I think 51 at the time. 
So uh, this past uh, this past uh, luncheon that we had on Wednesday, um, we're so thankful to God. I'd say that that the median, like the uh, at least fifty percent, were under my age, um, which is a great blessing. We had a number of Hispanic folks, Black folks. Um, among us as well. So God's building uh, the unity of the church in a whole variety of ways, and we rejoice uh, for that uh, because we all have gifts. Am I right? We all have uh, areas of outreach that, that we, you know, people that we know, areas of influence, our realm of dominion, if you will. And it takes all of us to bring glory to God's name. Um, so we're we're thankful for it. I, I did have the the opportunity to uh, bring the bring the, the short devotional that we had on unity. I used John 17 as the launching point for Christ's praise for the unity of the church. He knew that was going to be a struggle for us, and so he prayed in those remaining hours of his life for us today and the church, the body of Christ today. Um, we had a chance to sing the, the, the prayer. Uh, it's a hymn, but it's a, it's a really good prayer. We've sung it here uh, a few times, and that's Jesus with thy church abide. And uh, you know, it was just good to have folks um, you know, thinking of, of the unity, the necessity of the unity of the church. And, and of course, I say all this, you know, I don't always like to use qualifiers, but it's important for us to recognize, of course, there are certain things where we can't be in unity with someone else, right? Um, but uh, it's important for us to recognize that we be very gracious with our brothers and be very certain before we draw up hard lines. I'll just use one example. Um, there's a church that is involved with the movement that we're doing that is... Uh, not Trinitarian, okay? Now, I'd say that's one church out of, you know, I don't know, the 30 or so that are, are represented among us. And, you know, so there were questions among the leadership. What should we do? And the consensus is this. Um, they know that all the rest of us are Trinitarian. Are they on the, the edge of rethinking? Is that pastor on the edge of rethinking? We're engaging, talking. With, so uh, we, we, are, we are willing to have him stand as a co-belligerent with us against Satan, but we want, to, we want to build that relationship so that we can talk that through uh, with him and see what God does. You know, God has a tendency um, in, in to, to move people along generationally. Um, we find that there are a number of churches that started out in error um, or had a number of errors in them, and as generations go on and the Spirit works, um, that those, those false doctrines um, are challenged and begin to fall away by the work of the Spirit. So anyway, be praying. We're grateful. We have, obviously, needs in our midst, needs in our city and our community, um, and, and we certainly want to... Um, for all everyone here to, to be grateful for what God is doing. And of course, we need to do this, pray for the unity of our own body as well, our own church, because as human nature is, um, there, there's going to be struggles between folks. Well, we're going to pray and then uh, begin our first lesson on the autumn of the Christian life. 
Let us pray. Our God and our Father, we give you praise. We thank you, O Lord, for the life you've given us, for the rain that we've needed, that you've brought upon us. Lord, we pray that you would um, just continue to bless us. We thank you, O Lord, for the redemption that you have provided through your Son, for the forgiveness of all our sins. Lord, we ask you graciously to please complete the good work you've begun in us. In Jesus' name, amen. So, uh, in an effort to uh, maybe start something with a little humor, as I've been thinking about aging and thinking about uh, different kinds of things, um, uh, as, the, as the Christian life, part of us is to bring, uh, is to consider our life a joy. So I found uh, a couple of different lists of things about, you know, you're old if. Okay? So um, this first list I found quite humorous. Because I think it's targeting my age group, but I realized that it really was, there was even things in this list that are too modern. But here we go. If you've ever used a rotary phone, raise your hand. Okay? Used a floppy disk. Use the typewriter. Take him pics with a film camera. Listen to music on a CD. Right, by the way, so going down this list so far, I, I would say that this was put together by like a 20-year-old. <laughs> I mean, because I have children. My oldest is 31. And like, uh, you know watched a movie on VHS. Shoot, my kids were doing that well after there were DVDs. So. <laughs> so, so that's kind of funny. We can see that list there, and those kinds of things are relative. How about this one? Penny candy. Anybody remember penny candy? I think I just went to some old places where they still had it. Might have been a losing. Candy cigarettes. How about that? Candy cigarettes. Now that one kind of bl blends over. Soda machines that dispensed glass bottles. Okay, in part. Well, well, there, there are some other places, um, you know, where you can get those still today. Um, metal ice cube trays with levers. Yep, I've seen those. Party line telephones. Okay, so, so. Uh, hey, one time I was studying the development of phones. Don't ask me why. Um, something to listen to when you drive a lot of hours. But, but originally in, in uh, southwest Texas, what they did is they actually sent the phone lines down the bobbed wire fence, right? Which was great until you got any kind of moisture. If it started to rain, there'd be lots of crackling on the line. Or I suppose if the cow was grounding it out. Um, how about news reels before the movie? Oh, how many? I think that's three. All right, roller skate keys, wash tub ringers. I don't know this one. I'm going to give it a shot. The Fuller Brush Man. What, what would you use that brush for? Everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuller and Stanley merged. I see. So now it's called Fuller Stanley Company. It still is around. 
I see. <laughs> I see. How about this one? I know this one's really going to tear the line down. 35 cent a gallon gasoline. <laughs> so we have, we have three. Okay. What, what is the cheapest you remember gasoline ever? Ten or twelve. Anybody can beat that. <laughs> Ten or twelve cents. <laughs> milk was mm, less. Milk was less. <laughs> of course, you can buy it by the gallon. You know, buy it by the quart. Right, right. <laughs> so, so, so this one I appreciate um, because of my uh, work history. Fifteen cent McDonald's hamburgers with ten cent fries. So I can tell you this, I've run a few special events where that's what we sold it for, but we were losing money. <laughs> Five cent packs of baseball cards with a slab of pink bubble gum. I got to remember, well, five cents. I remember the bubble gum anyway. Yeah, I remember the bubble gum. So, so we, we, can la- we can laugh and, and reminisce. And, and I, I suppose with the oldest among us, um, there are there are things that they remember, things they've experienced in life. Um, the the absolute magnitude of technological advance. Um, my my wife's grandmother passed away last year. She was 102 when she passed away, and up until the last two weeks of her life, um, you could ask her about something from her growing up years and she could tell you and she could tell you what you have for breakfast too so I, I say that as a distinction because sometimes in the aging process in dementia process people can remember all kinds of things about the past but can't remember what happened 10 minutes ago um that's that's very common That, that's right. Our minds get fixed on so many things. I always like to say to my kids, you know, I've forgotten more things than, than you know. Although at this point, the way some of them read, I'm not sure about that anymore. <laughs> um, so I have a few quotes and then we're going to try to dig into it. This might roll over into two weeks because it is a big subject. <clears throat> but as, as we consider what it means to be the providence of God, right, um, we're always kind of uh, real positive about God's providence when life is going our way. Um, you know, we're always happy to stand on those promises. And it's usually pretty easy for us to dispense words of God's providence to somebody else, right? But when, when the challenges of life happen to us, it's hard to hear about God's providences. C.S. Lewis says this, We were promised sufferings. They were part of the program. We were even told, Blessed are they that mourn, and I accept it. I've got nothing that I hadn't bargained for. Of course, it is different when the thing happens to oneself and not to others, and in reality, not imagination. Right? A lot of things that we have to do when we're walking with God is it's, it's in theory when we begin, and then when we actually get to where these things happen in our life, whether we're talking about providence or any kind of other thing, right, that's where it's challenging. That's where our faith 
is tried. What did, what did God say to the people of Israel? Why did he put them into the wilderness? Anybody? To test them. To test them. To see what? What was he trying to see? What was in them. What was in their hearts. Right? So when God is working his providences, and, and by the way, aren't we glad that God tested the hearts of Israel in the wilderness? Yes? No? Right? Out of that came the covenant people of God, fulfilling his will, warts and all, and the redemption for all the sins of the world. Think about that. Do we rejoice in suffering? We have rejoicing in suffering, but do we rejoice in suffering? I mean, do we enjoy and see other people suffering? So our, our Did just, we enjoy seeing Israel suffering? Did we enjoy seeing them put down during the Second World War? Did we enjoy that? So, so the, the point of that is to say we have joy in trusting God that, he, that, that his will is being worked out. We're going to talk about a few distinctions here. But, but what, what we're trying to say here is the joy that we're to have in suffering is trusting God in it. Right? S saying that I know, you know, as the hymn says, that my Redeemer lives, that he was resurrected. You know, we have that on, on our side for the people of Israel. They were taking, having to take God um, at his word, and, and they certainly had good reason to. The deliverance out of Egypt, the providence for all that they needed. Um, but I, I want us to, to come to grips with the fact that. We can be thankful for God's providences, and we, we, we don't often turn and look at the scriptures in this way. I'm not saying that we are uh, full of, of joy, because there were hardships. Think about this in, in, in their time in the wilderness. Many died. They fell under judgment. <coughs> Excuse me. And yet we see there, and I think also um, as, you know, throughout history, where God preserves some. Right for the unrepentant, um, he may look. Listen, there were many who died in the wilderness, who will be in heaven. Uh, but they were they they suffer the consequence of their unbelief um, it, dur during the time that they were living. Now, I want to also be clear about a correlation here. Um, sin is not always. The, the reason why we have, say, physical ailments, right? Part of understanding God's providence is that he has ordered the world, okay? He's ordered the world. He created it from the very beginning, and he has certain times of, of, uh, of, of ways that he deals with things. In other words, that he has structured into the order of the universe, so we have times and seasons. We have a, a sun up and a sun down. We have seasons of, of what looks like death or rest in, in the winter. And we have times of new birth and growth and harvest and seed. So we have, we, God ordains those into play and we need those. But, but I, I think it's really important that, that we come to grips with the fact that the human life, God's design is for 
people to be born. We know that. We, we, we are, this church here and those among us, we are against abortion. We are for children. And we have that part, and we actually hear lots of sermons on that, lots of talks on that. But where, where we don't really address is the, the fact that our life, A, as we grow in God, and the Spirit works in us, and we surrender ourselves to the conformity of God's Word, right, that we should be growing and maturing. We're usually pretty good with that a little bit, and we kind of know it, but we, 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 we think that, you know, the sweet spot of that, what is that, I don't know, 16 to, to 40, right, and, and to others in the room it might seem, what do you talk about 40, that's still really, really young, which to a degree it is, but, but, but the point that I'm trying to make here is God's you know, we think about the seasons of the world, right? We, we accept that, but we don't think about the seasons of life. In God's ordinary design of things, right, we are going to live and we're going to die. We're going to born, be born. We're going to experience things. We're going to do things with him. And we're going to come to a close of this life. Okay? And, and what does that mean? And how do we see God's providence in that? So first of all, understand that God ordains the world this way. He ordained life. Now, this is going to become really important when we get to uh, medical ethics in a number of weeks from now. What does it mean for um, ordinary or extraordinary means to sustain life? Um, it's interesting. Part of my research, um, I, you guys have heard me talk about Dr. Rob Maddox in the past really good ministry friend of mine. Uh, he walked me through a lot of things, understanding um, how God's design, he, he was a, a physician, but how God designed the body and how God designed the body in death. And part of my research is going back and listening to some Sunday school uh, teachings he did way back in 2006. And they were actually going through a report that the PCA um, did some research on, but didn't really promote, evidently, the way I understand it. You know how things go. You do a bunch of research, and no one ever does anything with it. Um, but, but one of the things that, that um, he brought up is what is the point of life, right? The point of life is to serve God and serve others, to serve God and to serve others. And this goes into what our calling is, even in the autumn of life. Okay, and then there's a secondary component that goes into that to say, what about those God has called to serve you when you get into the autumn of life? You know, one of the biggest stresses that you'll find outside of the person's own, as they, as they age, their person, their, how they're dealing with and coping with and viewing the, the, what they might think as setbacks because they're aging, the body's breaking down, the challenges that are relevant to that, is when, when you have been an independent person, and then you find yourself not able to be as independent as you used to. I remember watching with my father, when we had to go to my dad with the doctor's assistance and say, hey dad, it's not safe for you to be driving anymore. Right? And I've seen that over and over again become a, a place, a crossroads place, where people, when they get to that spot, depression sets in, 
because now they're dependent on others in a way they haven't been in a long, long time. Um, and, and so I can see that, but I can also tell you as a guy who had a stroke at 38 and couldn't go to sleep at night unless someone was holding my head because the part of my brain that, that had an issue was, was spatial. So like right now I stand in this room and my brain already kind of knows the ceiling's, oh, I don't know, three feet higher in my head. It knows where this, you know, our, our, bot, our brain, God designed it. It's super fascinating, all the things that it does. But the part of my brain that had to do with knowing where you were in, in space, right, was not working right. My eyes were all that were, were, was functioning on that. And so if I close my eyes, I, I literally felt like my feet were flying up in the air like this, right? And, and the only way that I could cope to actually rest is someone had to hold my head so that um, I had a point of reference so that I could relax enough to go to sleep. You can talk to my daughter Esther. She, was, she did that a lot. So we had bunches of kids and life was still going and, and all of that. I'm very grateful for several months where she assisted me in that way. Um, and, and you know, in, in terms of that, I needed, one day a couple of my friends came over and looked me in my eye and I was still struggling. I had, I had certain kinds of problems that were still really evident, mostly to me, but not to others, and where they were like, hey man, you gotta get out of your funk. God's called you to do things, you gotta do things. And we sometimes lovingly have to do that for others as well. But there's also a place, I think, in this where we have to recognize um, that as there are certain things that are never going to improve and that in God's providence, he is leading us to the, to the end of this uh, current physical body. Now, in Christ Jesus, we can look forward to the resurrection, right? So an unbeliever who does all kinds of crazy things to sustain life in, in, and we'll get into some of those later, but they're doing it simply because they're afraid of death. If Christ has forgiven us, he is keeping us. If we are, if we are even in, in our last days living a, 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 a repentant life before him, he keeps us. We can't keep ourselves. And so... Since oh. our times are in God's hands. Exactly. That comes from the Psalms. I think about the 40th uh, chapter, uh, 40th Psalm, but our times are in God's hands. That's why suicide and all these things, you know, that, and, and I'm sorry, the medical profession does not recognize God when they put on your record, do not resuscitate. That is an act of God, not of the medical profession. And when they say that a baby's life isn't worth anything, do not keep it living, just let it die on the, on the birthing table. That is taking God in your hands. That, and, and life is too precious, whether it's in the beginning or in the end. And it, you have and people, they can't stay in, in the uh, nursing home because they're starving them to death. So, and I have experienced that with my own mother, being in the hospital for a week. And she telling me she didn't have a thing to eat all that week. Because she said what they gave her, she couldn't eat. And I said, what kind of a hospital is this? She was almost 90 years old, maybe 91. And they would not feed her. I'm telling you, that is not 
good medical practice. And, and it makes me furious. And, and I, certainly, I certainly agree with you that we have to do um, what is right to sustain life. I think there's, there are some distinctions that can be made um, you know, in, in how God works, and we'll go, we'll go through some of those things in the future. But I agree with you. Just the hospitals have been taken over by an evil force. I don't know who's buying all these hospitals. I don't know. They're not the so, same old ones. Well, well, by doctors who love the Lord and who served Him and who served their fellow mankind. And 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 you know, part of that is just simply this. This first of all, I'd argue the state of the church, and then the state of our 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 country in terms of um, what it means to stand in an upright way. This is why in some some places doctors are are leaving the established um, system and and creating their own, where basically people pay them a fee every month, and they're sort of like a, a the old the older on call doctors, and they're operating. Outside of, of those parameters, I, I want us to to remember this. Um, you know, we struggle again seeing all that God, um, how God works in in the challenges with us, and a lot of times there's been a lot of criticisms made towards John Calvin and and his uh, stark uh, words concerning providence and having joy in the providences that God brings us, but. Uh, I want to, uh, to, to read a quote and then make a few observations, and then we'll hit a few scriptures here. And he says this, this is John Calvin, There is nothing in afflictions which ought to disturb our joy. That's, that's, that's a pretty tough statement, right? When um, we're struggling, we're having difficulty. And of course, you know, a lot, for a lot of folks, they say, well, what, what kind of difficulties did John Calvin have? Well, I, I, I cannot remember if he was married for nine years or 11, but whatever it was, it wasn't all that long. His wife died. He had no children. Um, that, was a, that was certainly a struggle. Um, he was persecuted and chased all over the, the continent, um, finding some peace in uh, Geneva, but even there, finding standing up for God's word. Um, caused him to be expelled from Geneva for a while and then returning at a later time. But even beyond that, he said this, uh, you know, John Calvin, though, he suffered from chronic asthma, migraine headaches, uh, pleurisy, kidney stones, hemorrhoids, gallstones, severe, severe arthritis, and frequent influenza accompanied with raging fevers. We could certainly say looking at that, that God greatly afflicted him in many ways. And, and yet, still, some of that happened in his younger days. Some of this happened uh, more intensely as, as he lived longer. But, but it's important that, to your point, uh, Jeannie, about honoring the old, Leviticus 19.32 says, You shall rise before the great headed and honor the presence of an old man and the fear of and fear your God, I am Yahweh. Now that's interesting. What, what is God saying here? At the very end, he gives, he says, I am your covenant God, right? So I'm giving you this, and so you need to rise before the gray-headed and honor the presence of an old man. You know, the, one of the things that, that disturbs me so much about a lot of the media today, excuse me, and this, of course, has been going on um, 
at least um, in the, the 60s and beyond, but we see that uh, fathers and older people are often brought to disrepute. They're always disrespected. The young always know everything. Um, they, and and the, the problem is you older people, because you know, the younger people, they really have the world right. And here God, in his time of establishing the people of Israel, says, you need to hold on here. No, because I am your covenant God, right? You're going to rise before the great headed and give honor to the presence of an old man. God clearly talks about how gray hair um, is a sign of wisdom. And here's what I'm even going to suggest, that there are some whom God has blessed and given gray hair and they've lived a long time. They may not even be following Christ, but yet God still has granted him by his, by his good and, and, and simply by his providence the, the ability to have learned and understood some things. So we need to give honor to those that are older, to those to whom God has brought through life. Now, verse of that, 19, 32. So, um, I, I just want us to think about that and grasp that uh, for a moment. We're, now, we, of course, and we know this too, that we're to honor our father and mother, and that, that does not actually um, dissipate when you simply get out of your own household. You can't uh, bring disrespect or disrepute uh, to your parents. You need to honor them. Now, that may be in some times that you just keep your mouth shut and you don't speak um, about them many times. If, if they're living sinful lives or they're doing sinful things, like, in other words, to others. Now, part of loving them and honoring them may be at, at, at times saying, Mom, Dad, hey, I think this is something uh, worth, worthy of consideration. Here's what God's Word says about this. Psalm 71, 17 says, O oh God, you have taught me from my youth, and to this day I declare your wondrous works. Now also, when I am old and gray-headed, O oh God, do not forsake me until I declare your strength to this generation, your power to everyone who is to come. So, you know, again, I think when we're young and vigorous and we're trying to take the world, right? You know, we're thankful for how God taught us in our youth. And we do declare his wondrous works. But there's also here an a acknowledgement that when I am old, when I am gray-headed, do not forsake me. Okay? And why does he say this? It isn't just because he's saying, keep me so that I go into your presence for eternity. I mean, that would be an okay prayer too. But he says this, until I declare your strength to this generation and your power to everyone who is to come. So part of what God's calling is in this service, as we get older, how are we serving others? Some of that is through prayers. God has given you more time on your hands, perhaps, and so you have time to pray for others. Sometimes, and, and so that's the active part. We like the part where we're given lots of things to do, and we'll be talking about that a little more um, in, in, this, in this class in the future. But there is also, um, in God's providence, what is God doing to work off the rough edges in those that are serving you? Whether it's um, 
people in your family or people that God brings along your path um, in, in your medical care, etc. What is God doing for you? What is God, and, and then how are you declaring uh, to the Lord through being gracious? Um, in, in the book that we read some time ago on evangelism, right? Get Real. Um, some of you were here when we went through that book. One of the things that he talked about is um, some of his friends, he mentioned one in particular, who would never allow anyone to help him when he had a problem. Wouldn't ask for help at all. And he realized over time that this was, this was bad thinking, that, that he was actually robbing others of an opportunity to serve him. And so um, our joy should be when God puts us in a place where we need help, that, that part of us is to rejoice, that part of our service to God is allowing God to use others to serve us in our weaknesses, right? And, and so, we, again, it's God's providence um, working itself all the way out. Um, I want to read two more passages, and then next week we'll pick up on some particular things um, on God's providence. Psalm 73, 26. My flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. You know, as, as our bodies begin to fail, we can look to God and understand that he is our portion. Everything else that we've grasped for throughout our lives, what does that come to at the end of our life? Right? Um, you've heard this said many times, nobody, nobody as they're coming to the end of their life says, um, I should have just made more money. No, what are they reflecting upon? I should have spent more time with my family or with those in my community, right? Because what's eternal? People. People are eternal. And so um, we can... We can um, See and understand that as our body comes to failure, God is our strength and he is our portion forever. And we can rejoice in the assurance of Christ Jesus' work in our lives. You know, it's very interesting too. Psalm 90 verse 10 says this, The days of our lives are 70 years, and if by reason of strength they are 80, yet their boast is only labor and sorrow. For soon it is cut off and we fly away. Now, it's interesting in some research I was doing for this that, that today, if you're in a more modernized country, we'll say not third world. Okay, so that's us. The, the average age is much closer to 83, right? And obviously God has blessed some. We have people in our congregation who are older than 83, right? God has blessed them and brought them a long life. Um, and so... For all of us, whether we are the ones uh, undergoing the autumn of life or we are the ones serving the autumn of life, um, we have an opportunity to do it, trusting God, believing God in providence, understanding uh, what God has for us, and, and knowing that God is not distant. He is the God who is drawn near and is near to us. Um, he didn't just... Wind the clock, so to speak, create the world and walk away. No, God is present 
and he is present in our time of need, whether our need is strength to serve or strength to be served, and to do it full of joy. Let's pray. Yes, ma'am. Moses was 80 years old when God called him to serve and to do his. And he lived, I don't know, well over 100 and something. 120. 120. Joshua, I think he was 80 when he began to serve. And he also, and so God called, I, I don't know how many young men like David that God called into a lifetime of ministry. I mean, yep. this was not the average, I think, you know, if I think of people, uh, not many young, not many very young, like, like David was very young. He was, he was called when he was probably a teenager. And, uh, and, and I think the point that you're trying to make to us all is that we have purpose and meaning and a call of God all the days of our life, including those later years. Let us pray. Our God and our Father, we thank you for your great mercies. Lord, we have to humbly come before you and say, we don't understand all things. We don't understand what, what you're always doing, but we know you're glorified and that you, O oh Lord, are guiding our lives. You're putting people in our lives for us to serve and you're putting people in our lives to serve us. And whatever challenges or difficulties we have, Lord Jesus, we pray that we would trust you and find contentment and joy in you. We ask this in Jesus' holy and precious name. Prepare our hearts for worship and the renewal of your covenant promises with us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. <laughs>